0: most christians nowadays are internalized pro-life christians right where their pastor preaches once a year on abortion right uh, they vote republican in their household they believe that abortion is wrong it's like you can you can sit there and say well the kind of ministry of going out and talking to these women at abortion clinics that's not fair that's kind of mean it's overly aggressive outright banning abortion i don't think that's right i think it creates dangers for these women well 60 million babies is the fruit of doing exactly what internalized pro-life christians are doing they're voting once every four years for somebody who they think is pro-life they are listening to their pastor's sermon once every year and they raise their family to be pro-life and that's about it 60 million babies is the fruit of that so by all means continue in apathy and passiveness if that's what you wish to do but that won't be me as for me and my household we will serve the lord
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Sam Mealy. I'm Hunter Young. And I'm Jordan Carpenter. And we are the, the Sons, Sons of Liberty. Liberty. Well, today, actually, Jordan Carpenter. Hey, our producer is laughing back there. Why are you laughing? That was funny. Jor- Jordan didn't, uh, he went to take a sip instead of saying it. He was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, He's a guys. son. He's a new uh, son. Take two, take two. No, no, we don't <sighs> need to take two. We um, That's one take, baby. I'm just kidding. Okay. It's a joke. It's a joke. Everyone. He, was,
2: he was making a joke.
1: I'm sorry, I I take things. I passed literally. the same
0: test, Hunter. T- Hunter
2: yeah, passed we passed it. the uh,
1: the a u t ism test. We got, th- <laughs> we
2: passed, we got a blue ribbon. <laughs> you, got right. e- you got extra credit. <laughs> you extra, got extra credit, credit. baby. Thirty three out of thirty two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, guys, today we're gonna be covering some to- uh, few different topics. First it's a of all, episode. Uh, freestyle episode. Yeah. Freestyle episode. I like that. Honestly, we should do this like periodically. Just have like you know, like, more friend guests on who, like, like the non-experts, like, friends like Jordan who don't know anything, but he's our friend, so we just bring him on the podcast. Those are, like, be the freestyle episodes. We'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about, like, what it's like to be young and hip and cool, uh, but, like, the cool cool, where we're not, like, woke, but we're actually, like, conservative chads, because um, I, cause I, I definitely... Know. I think I'm more of a sigma. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: He's, he's, he's going to join the red pill movement.
1: <laughs> We're going to get into that. Red pill <laughs> movement versus biblical masculinity. What are the uh, similarities? What are the differences? We'll talk about dating versus courtship. The public school system, which is a totally different thing. And uh, abortion, because why not go there? Talk about the genocide of the unborn. And uh, But first of all, Jordan Carpenter, tell us about yourself. Like, What's your history with the Sons of Liberty? And why are you an adopted son of Liberty today? Well, How did you get here?
0: Um, Sam and I... Have been very good friends for a few years now, and the brothers have another podcast and I've been on that and I've just been kind of around and newly adopted into the mealy family, so uh it feels good I'm just here <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i I grew up on Cape my whole life I lived in um Hyannis until I was eighteen, and then I moved um to Rhode Island about a year and a half ago start working as a carpenter um and then recently um delve into my own personal business and stuff like that and uh power washing pressure washing and stuff like that so uh yeah that's pretty much what i'm doing
1: now yeah that's uh, cool it's curious so you you've effectively started a small business yes sir so dude you call me sir (laughs) i I like this (laughs) oh my gosh okay so i recently trained and got certified as a radon measurement specialist and i'm going to do my own small business like what what would be your top piece of advice to a, someone who's trying to start their own like side hustle.
0: Honestly, the biggest thing that I noticed was like um talking to people and like that's the biggest way of marketing for me personally. I'm I'm not like a huge people person, but I'm good with people, you know? And um at least I'm told that I'm good at talking to people and 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 um skilled at communicating and um becoming friends with older people, I've noticed um is a huge um like business opportunity. And not that I'm taking advantage of my friends, but just that become friends with these people and kind of talk about their interests and then i mention that i do that kind of stuff and then they usually invite me ask me if i can do something for them so um yeah i mean just meet as many people as you can and just talk be amazed what you can learn
2: just listening so well i think too i mean if you're gonna get something done around your house anyway you'd rather have it be your friend someone that you know i Mm -hmm. mean having a stranger come to your house is risky so Mm Well, it's also
1: risky if your friend says he's a plumber and doesn't know how to fix a toilet.
2: (laughs) That is (laughs) also true. true. (laughs) That's true. But at least you can, like, slap them if they mess up. (laughs) Right. Or, like,
1: say, you know, get back to work, slave. Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) And cut. (laughs) Your friend, so it's okay. Anything? Yeah, it's of fine. course
1: it's my friend. It's I kind of like the way you were just like holding the, holding the microphone back like this. Yeah, well, Are we it going... feels weird just going like leaning we over oh, well, like... that's what I
0: was kind of doing. I was kind of going like a little bit of
1: freestyle like there if yeah. I wanted to. Just kinda that's like... kind of the that's kind of the theme of this episode is freestyle breaking off the the chains. That can you see his face with his hat on? Is that is that an issue or?
2: You don't want to hide that handsome face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was telling a uh, an embarrassing story of mine that I experienced, but I won't.
1: We'll yeah, we don't it. have to delve. Oh in. well, you just told us about it. Well, we you just, give us like yeah, you a give us an elevator pitch. Elevator
2: pitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: elevator pitch. Isn't that it's actually quite gross. So if there's children around, um, what is it called? N-A-S-W or whatever it's called. Not safe. Not for work? Not safe for NSFW. Oh yeah, NSFW. Not safe for work. <laughs> Can you um, see him
1: good, Zach? Is it? That's fine. Um,
0: All right. I was in Florida. I'm 19 now. I was 16 when I was in Florida, with actually it was with a. Uh, a Christian group and we were there for a fine arts conference and this older lady came up and um, touched me inappropriately
2: while we were in a gym um, and, and the quote that I had to him was a quote that she said and cut <laughs> <Is this true? laughs> it's, it's a true dense, it's and dense. then at the end
0: of our, our interaction um, it only lasted like two seconds she just basically just like reached and I pulled away um, a little scary um, and then pretty much just, um, after that, after our interaction, she said she had to go pick up her children and, um,
1: Jordan's coming on to just like talk about his sexual harassment experiences. My gosh,
0: my personal, this is, like trauma. <laughs> he's just trauma, trauma dumping d- the first time <laughs> he came on the podcast. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh
2: that's gosh. actually terrible. The struggles We're of being too it. handsome.
1: No oh. kidding. Speaking of being handsome, let's, okay. I'd I'd be, we we teased the the red pill movement. Do we want to jump into that? Sure. Okay. Speaking of being handsome, dude, Andrew Tate, handsome guy. Whatever you think about him, he's a handsome fella. Justin Waller, handsome fella. Tristan Tate, handsome fella. You know, like, these red pill guys that you see on, like, YouTube shorts constantly. (laughs) 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 We should just copy each other's movements the whole time? We should just copy each other's movements the whole time? We I'm should not, just copy we, movements. The it's not point. funny when you do it, Jordan. Anyways, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're just an adopted right? son. <laughs> what do we actually, let, let's define the red pill movement. Who can give like a elevator pitch definition? <laughs> That's our of, whole podcast. Of,
2: we need to be vague as yeah. possible about everything.
1: <laughs> We're getting hate con- Okay, so there is a short. Uh, the, we are explaining the, the HD4420 bill and we got like 16 dislikes on it saying, we got like like, 2,400 views, which is our highest viewed video so far, but we had, like, 16 dislikes, and people were commenting, even on my Instagram, like, this is so vague, it's like, you, I don't even know, you didn't even explain the bill, and I was like, fair, that's fair, we didn't, really, um, so, my bad, but... It was also a 40-second clip. It was a forty like, we provided, we, we were, like... We're encouraging people to go watch the full podcast. Well, right. It's it's
0: similar to a book summary, right? Where it's like the idea of the actual writing isn't to tell you the storyline of the book. It's to kind of set a little bit of a hook to get you to read the book. Exactly. It's like that's the, that's my perception of a, of a reel that is taken. It's a bit of a video turned into a, what is it called? a short? Yep. Um, And then it's kind of like a, hey, this is what this is about not go. going to give you the full details so you can watch a 40-second clip and then be done with the 45-minute video that we worked hard to put out. Um, go watch the video.
1: Go watch the video. So, anyways, I don't know how I got there. I think talking about shorts. So, you see all these Red Bull guys on, like, Instagram reels and YouTube shorts up, popping up on our algorithm because we're young men and we're conservative, and that's just what happens. Um, and that that is – hopefully, we're trying to appeal that to that audience, young and conservative – Who can give, like, a solid definition of a red pill? Like, red pill movement, like, the red pill guys, the Justin Waller, Andrew Tate types.
2: I think it's basically saying masculinity is about how many women that you can pick up and not being and making as much money as you possibly can and that you should um, not chase women. You shouldn't be chasing women like all these uh, other guys do who are addicted to watching certain videos on the internet and who are chasing after girls and putting them on a pedestal. And it's uplifting that men should be the providers and that men are able to have – a lot of them say men are able to have multiple wives and um, these kinds of things. So I wouldn't know if there's a good summary, but that's some of their basic beliefs is that um, men shouldn't be reliant on women and that um, feminism is is a cancer to the culture, which is – it's a – It's It's a partial truth is what it is. It's a partial truth, but it's, it's reactionary and it's not based off of Mm. the actual truth. Yes. That's, I think that's the biggest thing is it, that
1: it is reactionary.
0: That's exactly what I was just writing down is the pendulum swing idea. Yeah. Yeah, It
1: started in the sixties. It was, it was the radical sexual revolution, the radical feminist movement. And then now we're just seeing like the opposite going back to like out of the middle ages when women were property and it's like the pendulum. It's trying, what it's, what is trying to be normalized in society. Hmm. Yeah. Do
0: you think that women were do do you believe in the <laughs> patriarchy throughout throughout um,
1: throughout history? Throughout history, yeah. In certain cultures, of course. Like certain cultures degraded women more than others. Yeah. I mean the, the Would you define that the the as beginning a libera- the beginning of liberation the the beginning of liberation for women was Jesus Christ and that he was the first um, religious figure to actually start lifting up women mm-hmm. and empowering them um, and giving and giving them a voice. I mean, I'm using all the leftist
2: buzzwords, but it's really true. I mean, his favorite disciple yeah. was a woman, basically. Not his fa- most favorite. Well, Do you want to well, no, Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whoa, hold on a minute. Whoa, <laughs> well, well.
1: <laughs> yeah, pause. Yeah, no, it was John, remember? Yeah, it was like, John. the most beloved. But
2: also, wasn't he, like Mary Magdalene was, like, a significant person in the Gospels, no? Well,
1: yeah, she was. But, yeah. like, okay, the Mary and Martha, right? Yes. They, yeah. First people to see Jesus resurrected. Yes, that was my point. And then... Yeah. The people Jesus first appeared to were women after he resurrected. So what I'm saying is that um, the empowering of women began with Christ, and then it it was carried through the Western Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And when there's no Western civilization, it was just complete um, dominance and who who basically who carried the biggest stick. I don't
0: necessarily agree, right? Um, but before we get into that, can you pull up like like what your definition of? Um, of um, what's it called? The patriarchy
1: would be before I say, like, the... my definition of patriarchy. I don't...
0: I don't have it on the back of my mind, but I would agree with the textbook definition of a patriarchy, which is not just a male dominated society. Like, define a male dominated society in what aspect is our society male dominated? Like, like, that kind of thing. So, society it can be male dominated
1: like... when it comes to certain industries. Certain industries are male dominated. Um, I think patriarchy is the, is the false assumption that. Men essentially run the world, and without any, they basically subject women to what they whatever want. they want. Yeah. Whatever they want is the is the assumption. I don't. That's why. <laughs> okay. What What's your definition of patriarchy? I, well,
0: I wouldn't have a definition. I I was just asking if you could pull up the textbook um,
1: definition. Oh, you, you just asked me to. Why? What? What are you gonna? What are you trying to argue here?
0: Oh, I, I wouldn't try to argue anything. I just, I, I just, I just disagree with, um, throughout history, it being the, whoever carries the biggest stick, right? Well, my it started. Personal, keep going, please. Um, my personal, um, observation would be that, um, throughout history, um, man and woman have, cooperated, and I mean. Look, there's plenty of examples of of civilizations that abused and slaughtered their women and did horrible other things. But throughout history, man and woman um worked together, cooperated together to fight off starvation, disease. Mm. Um sorry, I just I just noticed the top of my feet. I will try not to do that. Um disease, starvation, um, the horrible effects of basically childbirth, right? The the amount of deaths during childbirth was um, very, very high. Um, and I think they work together to, to combat against the horrors of life, really. and yeah. um, I think it's been a terrible, dreadful misreading of history that man has just dominated women and forced them into submission when it's not been that way at all. I do not.
2: Yeah, I, I think don't think. Jordan Peterson talks about this, doesn't he? Does. He talks about he how he's basically like, um, life sucked for both men and women for majority yeah, yeah. of history. There I mean, was death, something. there was sickness, there was tyranny from people up top, but it didn't have anything to do with a man specifically. I mean there is kings and queens that were yeah. both tyrannical. Yeah, I mean
0: and I mean if you really want to look at it, I mean women weren't going and getting cut up with swords. Yeah. Which was happening to a lot of men in yeah. before the eighteen hundreds.
1: Yeah, so textbook definition of patriarchy is uh, a social system in which the father is the head of the family. Another definition could be a family, community or society based on this system or governed by men. Or dominance of a society by man, men, or the values that uphold such
0: dominance. Well, Different.
1: Do you disagree with that? With I don't the, know the, idea the of a patriarchy. Patriarchy is such a buzzword. Like I don't know. Yeah. Would you All agree I with know, that definition? I would work backwards and say that a family should a a, a man is the head of the household, mm-hmm. and that um that that's that's the framework that I have. So I'm working backwards, and if you call that a patriarchy. Okay, well, that's what like, it says in that definition is okay. Sure, yeah. Then the way things should be is that that a family is formed in a patriarchal sense. Sense, yeah. Um, it was not the family was not designed to be a matriarch. Nope, it was designed to be a patriarch. I completely
0: agree. I think we would all agree on exactly what a family, the framework to use your word, um, of a family would look like. And because that's all laid out, the blueprint for our family is all laid out in the Bible. Christ's relationship with the church, um, and um, just how it defines marriage and um, having children and discipleship of your children and wife, and yeah, I, yeah. I would completely agree.
2: So, what do we think the biggest thing that the Red Pill people get wrong about the way men and women relationships should work and the way families should work and and that kind of thing? Like as we hear, do you want to go first? I'm I'm thinking. I don't I don't know. Do you have something?
0: I mean, I was gonna when you were talking about it. Um, you were talking about. Um, how it's kind of backlash from the feminism back in the sixties, um, which is another interesting conversation. Um, but no, I was just kind of thinking about how. Oh, I just lost my train of thought.
1: Well, basically, how does what is what does the Red Bull movement get wrong? Thank you, thank you. So
0: it's it's kind of just like this like this model of the the prioritizing of of business and career over your family right so to me the people who like dan bilzerian who irritate me beyond my own comprehension um and what's that guy's name justin justin waller justin waller uh i think he's i mean look at he he believes you should have multiple families and it's like it doesn't matter because he can support all of them he can pay for all of them so who really who really should be able to have an opinion it's like yeah you can do that if you want but
2: it's not the best for society as a whole. No, it's not. it's not. the best for the kids at all. I mean, just throwing money at them isn't right. going to solve no. their problems. I mean.
1: I think the biggest thing that the Red Pill movement gets wrong is that uh, is a misdefinition of strength. Mm. Because to a, to a biblical, I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to work back from what I know. And then base, based on what the true definition, it will point out the counterfeit. So the, the biblical definition of strength is power under control, is meekness. Our, our ultimate, uh, us as men, our ultimate um, role model of masculinity is the, the person of Jesus Christ, and he laid his life down for humanity. He died for humanity in the ultimate form of meekness. He could have called angels down and destroyed all of his enemies, uh, but he instead kept his power under control and, and submitted unto death. For the sake of his church, mm-hmm. for the sake of his the, bride, his bride, of, the bride of Christ. Yep. Um, so that is the definition of strength, power under control. The Red Pill movement sees meekness as weakness. Mm. They yep. see anything other than physically pro- projecting yourself and dominating your, uh, and dominating others, whether that be um, with how you talk, how you how you look, how you act. Um, the people you help the people you, you choose to uh, financially support it's all about you and portraying you as over them as, mm. as, as complete controlling over them mm-hmm. as, as controlling um, so yeah
0: I think that the, in a way that that's expressed another way that that's expressed I brought up the multiple families and you said um, the word submission to, to death right is a sacrificial atonement for his people to save his people Uh, one of the ways that that men are naturally have the call to be promiscuous right and um um being sacrificial is a huge thing for a man right that's the definition of masculinity as being a strong and protective and um competitive typically but it's for that desires for one person and you're you're sacrificing and and Kind of killing this desire to be promiscuous with multiple other people, um, to build, you know your own family unit. And when you have somebody like Justin Waller who's acting promiscuous and like a boy with multiple other women, you just don't have that that ability to sacrifice and and provide for one person. You don't mm-hmm. have the energy for that. Hmm.
1: That's true. He he. Do you think he would die for all of his women, all of his baby mamas, like all the all the girls who are who are. Well, I don't think you children. can. You can't be in
2: eight different places at one time. Yeah, so like that's the thing. You literally can't. Yeah, you can't. Interesting. Because <laughs> being, I mean, being a father is an everyday mm-hmm. thing. You don't just get to say, "Oh, sorry guys, I'm going to my other family today. I'll be back." And uh, oh, how destructive that has yeah. to be for those mm-hmm. kids. Man. I mean, you see the statistics on fatherlessness, which are alarming. I mean, if if you have a a two family household you're in America I think Charlie Kirk talks about this like you're basically not going to be in poverty if you have two parents that that work and that you don't have your kids out of wedlock you don't have your kids um multiple parents and co-parenting and all these these different things like if you do it the way God intended it to do you will be blessed big surprise yeah. um and I think that's what we have today is like not only fathers that leave their kids, but fathers that are kind of just there. Like, they're involved, but they're not actually Emotionally absent. Yes, exactly. So, And another thing is that, like you said, Justin Wall,
1: he's like, oh, I can have multiple families because I can support them all. I can financially support them all. But there are tons of other ways of supporting. Like you were just saying, Hunter, you support them spiritually. You lead them spiritually. Um, And even if you're not a Christian, you're leading your children spiritually in some way even if you don't realize it uh, if you're not a Christian you're likely leading them spiritually in the wrong direction side note though you're leading them emotionally you're leading you're leading your wife you're um, you're educating um, your family um, so it's it's your job and, and I think the Red pill movement gets this wrong about men often is, is that first of all they, they misrepresent what strength means and also they they assume that the only job have as a father is to provide financially and to put a roof over their heads and clothes on their bodies which is like basic bottom level like that's starting out of the gate like no duh level mm-hmm. but there's no like how are you gonna you're, you're gonna teach your son to, to be an a-hole basically if you're gonna act if, if he's gonna look at his father Justin Waller who's an arrogant herd muncher <laughs> And and he doesn't and he doesn't have any virtue or any fear of other God. than a yeah. no fear of God. He's promiscuous. He he's he's rude. He, it's all about uh. It's all about shocking people and and getting people's reactions. Um, how, how do you think a young boy is going to act if that's his father?
0: He also wears skinny jeans everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or is this just the... Uh... He said actually said on a podcast, I don't buy skinny jeans. My legs are just so fit and huge <laughs> that I buy the, re- the baggiest jeans I can find and they still look like skinny jeans. And like, the guy's so arrogant. Ugh. It's just like, it's not
2: masculine to be no, arrogant. No. Mm. It's not. I think there's a, what is it? The, that Jocko guy, Jocko. Jocko willing. willing. He talks that. about something where he talks about commanding respect versus demanding respect. I don't know if you've seen this mm-hmm. on the interview. He talks because he was a what was he in the Marines or he was Navy a, Seal. Navy was, Seal. Yeah. He talks about when you have people guys that are going in there and they're just yelling and they're just forcing their uh, authority on you, and it's like, real men who are real leaders don't need to do that. The way they carry themselves is the example and is the thing that makes you want to respect them. Yeah. Because you see that they're they're willing to. To die with you. They're willing yeah. to be with you. And that's what a man should be. And they take, their...
1: like Jocko Willingson, they take complete ownership. Yeah. Like, even if it's something that your, your man did wrong, and it's totally their fault, you take responsibility. Because you're the leader. Because yeah. you're the leader. Yeah. Ultimately, it's your leadership. fault. And that's, yeah, attitude reflects leadership. The line from uh, Remember the Remember Titans. Remember the Titans, yeah. Oh, such a good scene, dude. Great. Also, I, I watched the, the Gladiator recently. Um, dude, I can't believe I hadn't seen this movie yet. Yeah. It's so good. So good. I mean, just the first scene of them fighting, like the barbarians or whatever. He, he com- You can tell right off the bat he commands respect. Uh, what's his name? Mark Mark
0: Maximus. Maximus. Aurelius.
1: Yes, Maximus. He com- as the general of the Roman army. He commands respect of his men because he fights with them. Mm. He is in there with them. He is like right. He is shoulder to shoulder with his men, and he does not yell at them. He he's he's very quiet, but he. But he commands respect in the way he speaks. Yeah. Oh, dude. That, that's real masculinity. What's his
0: name? Maximus Arcadius or something like that? So, something
1: like that. Oh, man. I would watch that over and over again. Yeah. So good. Yeah, there's a,
2: a statistic um, that I was bringing up earlier. The poverty... This is in Massachusetts specifically. Uh, Massachusetts Uh-oh. Family Institute did a, a study on fatherlessness. Shout out MFI Mike King, my homie. <laughs> And it says the poverty rate for children when both father and mother are president are are president. President. (laughs) I don't think that can happen. Joe Biden, (laughs) are present is is five percent. In contrast, reread that. I was interrupting you. The poverty rate for children when both mother and father are president. Oh my gosh.
1: The poverty rate for children when When both both mother mother and father are. (laughs) Mother and father are present.
2: Cut that out! Cut that out! And (laughs) cut when. When both the, the father and mother are in the house, the poverty rate is 5%. But it goes up to 26% when children are living with divorced or separated parents. So that's literally five times the rate of poverty just by one parent not being there. So I think if that's, that's a testament, obviously, of the fact that we need men. Yeah. Yeah. So. That That's pretty interesting. Where did you find that study? You're
1: also 90%,
0: uh, according to the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations, this was a statistic that I read in 2018, um, if you are a person without a father in the household, you're 70% more likely to get um, involved in drugs. You are uh, some very high percentage, That I won't say a number because I don't remember, but please look these up for yourself. You are very likely to be involved in some sort of... Um, jail time or prison Mm. um, you're likely to and by the way the majority of violent criminals are fatherless the majority of rapists are fatherless Um, the majority of people in our prison system today right now 90 percent of them are fatherless Um, it's a spiral Mm -hmm. Um, as somebody who's dealt with emotional issues from having um, parent absentees or um, emotional absentees in their life yeah, it is it is damaging, and um, the psychological effect of it on children, of having the example of, first of all, acting impulsive, acting emotional, having no control on how you feel, or only being able to express your feelings through anger, yeah, you end up in prison. That's what happens. Mm. Yeah. So,
1: okay, so, anger, that's got to be a big thing. Yeah. Because anger is not inherently wrong. But the ability but to control talk, it, talk about that. it's so talk about natural, how that, how it's that so
0: natural, men. right? Like, it's it's, in terms of being a man, right? It, you're overly aggressive, you have testosterone, you're already pretty challenged in life in terms of your um, sexual aggression, and your competitive aggression, and your violent aggression. Um, oh, is that water down there? I almost kicked it over by accident. Sorry, camera. Um, you have these di- these different types of aggression um and personal experience is uh when you become angry or upset or sad or any kind of emotional that's like not happy where you can you know laugh and get along with people um personally i found that it's very hard to communicate those feelings without just being angry right and aggressive so i would snap at people um or i would feel the need to like hit things never people I'm never aggressive to people but like things in general, right? Punching bags, um, walls, stuff like that. I used to punch holes in the wall all the time when I was younger. Drama dumping right now. <laughs> on the podcast. This is the time. This is the time. But um no, it's 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 interesting to come from a personal place where I used to be that way. Um and then kind of look at some of the people in society today, right? And twenty twenty was a great example of this. Um, it's like you watch these crowds of people and I saw videos of like a man getting beat by seven black, uh, seven people cut. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> well, they were, they were, they, there was, there was um, two white people that were walking down the street and we don't have to edit this out. I just, I felt bad about saying like that, but um, <clears throat> they were walking down the street and they were jumped by seven people and it was a man and his wife and they were beaten with two by fours and the man was held and forced to watch as they beat his wife, right? And what I get from watching people like that Is it's like you watch them, and it's like there's no thinking at all. It's it's all acting, instantly. What what they're feeling right then, and it's like this this crazy anger. And I watch it, and it's like if I were just to allow myself to spiral, that's what I would look like. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it is. So it's a
1: total separate. So it's interesting. It's almost like the wrong version of masculinity is where you completely detach yourself from all emotion and you feel nothing. Mm -hmm. but real masculinity which is the opposite of what society would say is you actually in a sense are in touch with your feelings
0: you have teeth yeah you're in touch with your feelings but it's like i'm in a relationship right and it's a good relationship Uh, i have a lot of counseling we go to therapy from his parents actually we're awesome they're like my mom and dad um but it's it's interesting watching myself from how i was a few years ago to now right where i have these thoughts and i might feel like oh my gosh well struggling with um parental stuff oh my gosh abandonment that kind of thing it's like watching those feelings and going okay well this feeling isn't fair because this person is not doing anything wrong so what part of this feeling is honest and what part of this feeling is just lying to me plain and simple because you have feelings but feelings can be wrong yeah Um, feelings can lie and that's why i have this friend old friend now she used to say that feelings are um awesome right they make a uh uh Great servant, but they make a terrible master. Um, it's a good saying. It's a wise saying. It's nothing like crazy profound, but it's, it's a good saying. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely true. If you're mastered by your feelings, you'll never be in control of your own life. Jordan Peterson talks about, um, like, honesty creates the greatest adventure
2: for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to face
0: everything that you're you, actually yeah, going. You can't you There's nothing that. that you're... And it's it's like, this. the concept of it isn't that, well, you just tell the truth, everything's going to be more exciting. But it's that you are living as absolutely true as possible so when you lie all the time you create this false bravado of yourself and you don't actually get to live as you are Hmm. Um, so you're lying but back to this whole feelings thing is um okay being able to understand and um being able to comprehend and being able to communicate these feelings as okay well this one i know (laughs) is wrong but this one i'm upset about this because of this so let's talk about this and Kind of talking out loud, right? I was just listening to uh, um, John Deloney. He's a guy your dad sent to me, who's an anxiety therapist. so good. He is. Yeah. He's really good. And he was talking about him and Jordan Peterson, a podcast mm-hmm. together. They were talking about um, how listening and talking to each other and, and volunteering solutions isn't always the key, but that talking out loud to somebody and saying your problems allows you to say them out loud and then think of an answer for it yourself like a solution to your problem before the other person even gets to respond. It was interesting to listen to. Mm.
1: Interesting. So yeah. what, what what else did you get out of that? Oh, I mean, I love Dr. John Deloney. Is he the you guy think? on Dave Ramsey? Yeah, yeah, on, on uh, the Ramsey Network. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. he is. Um, what is, what, what were some other things that you got out of that podcast? Because I, I saw that they did that mm-hmm. podcast together. Um, Dr. John Deloney is known for being the anxiety guy. He talks about anxiety. That's just his thing. Um, I mean he covers all sorts of stuff, but he he you know, he's written books on anxiety. Um and like what what else did you get out of that podcast?
0: Well one thing I learned too, um, and this is this is something that um your dad and I have actually talked about, is that when you have this internal pain, um when you're really angry, you want to express that that pain through anger, right? And um like I said, I used to punch things and hit things in the box. And it's almost like, like, um, you want to, you can't understand that pain. So you need your whole body to feel that sense of pain that you're feeling. internally. Like you try to match it. And it's, Hmm. it's like, you don't, you might be able to comprehend that you're feeling angry and you know why you're feeling angry. You know what triggered you to that response, but it's like your body is reacting for you. It's almost like you're on autopilot, right? And you can Hmm. fully understand why you're feeling that way, but you can't, Quite figure out how to stop your body from like mm. jerking or um, snapping back right away. Yeah. Um, and it's it's something that I'm working on right now with like um, um, like my pride. Right when I get challenged with an issue, it's like before I think I tend to speak. Obviously, the Bible says not to do that many <laughs> many times. But he who controls his tongue is a perfect man. Right, James.
2: Twelve, I think. I don't know. Close. Close. <laughs> something well. like that. It's probably wrong, but um yeah, I think it's a it goes back to the point that that Sam was talking about, and that like that anger and that feeling isn't always bad, but it's the ability to control it right. that is what makes you a man and what is masculine, right then, because if yeah. if
0: you're not dangerous at all, it's like then what are you? there's nothing you're to just you. weak, yeah. if you're not a challenge to anything, there is nothing to you,
1: see, but isn't that the red pill lie though? That you have to be okay. So no. red pill takes the twists the truth. Uh, the red pill movement takes the truth. In my opinion, uh, you know everything good is corrupted. So are like have, it is. Truth. It is good to have to power. Have teeth. Yeah. Yes. But but where does but where does the red pill movement go wrong with that?
0: It is is it is it's like unleashing that upon the world, making that known to everybody. Right. I just actually watched the video, of Dry Creek Wrangler School. It's an awesome channel of just just this old guy with a big oh, beard. Yeah. He smokes like a pipe. He he smokes a pipe. He smokes his cigars. And, you know, he talks about his tobacco and stuff like that. He's an awesome Christian man. His name's Wayne. And um, he just gives these talks, you know, and he's not specifically aimed at young men. But I find it particularly helpful as a young man about controlling myself and the storms of life. Um, But he talked about um, the loudest man in the room. Mm. And uh, he gave this story about how he knew this man who was this... You know, smaller guy, not this huge guy, but he was very quiet, soft-spoken, and um, long story short, he called him one morning. He called Dwayne one morning and said, hey, he's like, I need your help. I just shot three grizzly bears in my front yard. This guy was soft-spoken, and he killed three bears in his front yard defending his wife and kid who were in the cabin behind him. Wow. Um, three bears. It was very unlucky, and it was very sad circumstances. because Nobody ever wants to kill a bear. Yeah. I mean, normal <laughs> people. That sounds...
2: Totally awful. <laughs> I heard they taste really good.
0: <laughs> oh, but I heard there's a lot of worms in there though. Really? Yeah, a in little Barry, bit of yeah,
2: a little bit of extra flavor.
0: But the scary part about those worms is that they're when they get into your body, they're they're
2: basically the species of parasite
0: is is it some like a kind tapeworm. No, it's not a tapeworm. Tapeworms are in your gut. Okay. These are in the meat of the bear. Uh-huh. And this parasite, particularly, it freaks out when it's not in a bear because it's in an unfamiliar host. Yeah. Their their ancestral line tells them where to go in a bear right and where to feed and stuff but when they're in you it's an unfamiliar host so they go everywhere they go in your eyes in your muscles it's so freaky and you can i guess for the first couple years you can feel them moving around (gasps) it's nasty oh my yeah it's nasty but i guess it goes away and then it's just in your in your um they just kind of stay there and they're all right that's just so weird kind of hanging out that is so
1: weird (laughs) anyways but that that's a really good story Like the oh that that's so like, it feels so right to hear a man who is, who is soft spoken and he's meek. That that is an example of meekness. He had the ability to kill three grizzly bears. I'm assuming he had it, like a gun, not just with his bare hands, but like he had the ability. Bare (laughs) (laughs) the right to keep and bear arms. Actually, (laughs) anyways, that was stupid. (laughs) The right Uh, to bear arms. The freedom of the press. (laughs) Never (laughs) mind.
0: And cut. <laughs> Why well, do you keep saying that? <laughs> We're keeping all of this,
1: baby. No all cuts. <laughs> no cuts here. But that that is meekness. He what? had the ability to kill those grizzly bears. I think but it's... he only unleashed it when he, he needed to protect what God had given to him. Ooh.
2: That's what good. God
1: had entrusted to him. Yeah.
2: To it's the same thing. It's like this classic story of David and Goliath. It's the same thing people always say. Oh, David was was this tiny little scrawny boy, like, and he just had such good faith in God that he killed I'm a baby, giant. I'm little, <laughs>
1: my head only comes to your middle, <laughs> but
2: little guys can do big things too.
1: Veggie Tales. You, he's for got all it. those homeboys out there who knows Veggie Tales, continue. You're 100%. gonna get copyrighted from that. <laughs> <laughs> it was longer than three seconds. We're screwed. <laughs> um,
2: but I think that it's such a. Misrepresentation of who David actually was because he literally killed lions and bears with his slingshots, protecting his flock. So cool. He was a he, shepherd. Dude, he was,
1: he literally grabbed a, a sheep, saved a sheep out of the mouth of a lion, and then he killed the lion.
2: No, he was weak oh. though. He was a weak man. He was weak. <laughs> he was small. Weak men do that. That's yeah. what they—they they typically take no, sheep meek out of. No, men do that. No. Oh, that's good. That's a, put that on a shirt. Put that on a shirt. We do need merch. Meek, not weak. Meek, be meek. Oh. Dude,
1: meekness over weakness. Is that's, that a shirt? That's
2: got to be a shirt already.
1: We If we're making it a shirt. Dude, that's actually kind of sick.
2: Meekness over weakness.
1: Let's that's good. That's I'll actually be good. really good. I mean, good. I'm down. Yeah. But anyway,
2: yeah. Can, like, so that's the thing. And it's, it's such a testament to the point that when um, David was ready for Goliath because he was prepared and he had done things what is Goliath compared to a, a lion or a bear? I mean, Goliath was pretty tall, but he had been prepared and he knew who God was and he knew the nature of God and he knew that God wasn't going to allow this enemy to have victory over him because he knew who God was. And I'm talking in a circle a little bit, but he that's the thing, is and that's one of the things that about being a man too is knowing who God is and trusting him for the things that you can't control because i think that's another big thing the red pill gets wrong is like that you're able to have like ultimate control over everything in your life that if if something's wrong in your life it's your job to fix everything that's going on and i think that's just the kind of mindset of like the being strong is like everything has to be my way or the highway yeah. and that's not true like if you're a man you have to realize that there's things that you can't control and that is being meek is acknowledging yeah. that there's Final things life. that there's things that God is in control of yeah. and that you aren't. Yeah. And
1: it's so interesting about the philosophy of the red pill movement, actually. So when you think about it, if the red pill movement, you think of dominance, like how much you judge a man based on how much he can dominate others, how much money he can make, how many girls he can get, how, how fit, big of muscles, how he big can his have. muscles are, you know, that they're defi- they're defining men based on outward. Uh, their outward appearances. Um, and it's so interesting and, and how much they can control and how much they can take over, basically. And it's so interesting that that philosophy has fueled the dictators of the 20th century. And, mm. and so you've got people like Hitler, Stalin, they all admired Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a philosopher in the early 20th century. And, um, and uh, there was... Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche was an atheist. And he talked about... At length, his Ubermensch. What? His Ubermensch. It's a, it's a, it's a. I believe that's Russian, and it, it translates to Superman. So it was hmm. uh, Nietzsche's Superman, which basically means that uh, Nietzsche believed he was a nihilist, and he believed that it actually drove him insane to the point of you know he was in a mental institution until he died because he was he was so nihilistic that he was like everything is, and he just lost his mind, which is really sad. But he his. He saw the chief end of man. He took his ideas to a logic, he took his atheistic, nihilistic ideas to its logical conclusion, and he observed that the chief end of man, based on his worldview, was to take as much dominion and control over the rest of humanity. How many people can I subject under my rule? How many, and that was, that. We know, it wasn't Superman in the typical, super, you know, the comic book Superman where he's helping people and he's a servant and he, you know, he came from another planet and he's, and he's here to protect Earth. No, this Superman is is an evil man, objectively speaking, based in the Christian worldview. But in Nietzsche's worldview, this was the ultimate good. Is how much can I dominate? How many people can I subject to my will? Whether that be you know women, how many women can I get? Um, how many cars can I have? How much money can I get? Or how how many empires? You know, how many countries can I conquer into my empire? If we're talking like you know Alexander the Great style, or or how many how many um. Or, or you see, like Hitler. Hitler actually greatly admired Friedrich Nietzsche. Like, he talked about it a lot. And, and he saw, and he took the, that idea, he, he saw the Superman in himself. Hitler saw the Superman as being what he needed to be. And he lived that out through trying to exterminate the Jewish people. As he saw, he saw that it was his job to uh, create the perfect race, almost. And he thought that was... Like he convinced himself. Like I genuinely believe Hitler believed he was doing the right thing. Based percent. Oh, based on his well, world of course worldview. he did, because to, but according that fuels to him, the red pill movement now. But,
0: but according to him, though, Jewish people were parasites that had to be eradicated.
1: True, but I'm using that as an example to say, like Friedrich Nietzsche's idea of the the chief end of man through his through his world was to subject one's will onto everybody else, yes. onto as many people as he possibly could. Hitler did that not only by trying to exterminate exterminate the Jewish people, but expand the his empire basically you know through all of europe and and he would have kept
2: going and if he wasn't defeated but um, yeah yeah i think that's what happens when you leave god out of your world views you get all these kinds of crazy things and another guy that those guys admired was charles darwin too they were all they believed in social darwinism you get same people like margaret sanger who was the founder of planned parenthood Mm -hmm. who believed that it was um that black people were a weaker race. And inferior. And, and inferior, and that out. they should be taken out of. That's why you, yeah. more Planned Parenthoods are in black areas. Yeah, inner than cities. Inner cities yeah. than white areas, because it's basically genocide. Yeah. and Because um, that's what you get, is under evolution, under Darwin's belief, there are higher races. There are races that have been blessed by the evolution gods, just mm-hmm. to not put it in a more elegant if way looking
1: through the perspective if looking through a social darwinistic evolutionary perspective through that worldview
2: yes through then, their worldview then
1: naturally like you said well the survival of be. the fittest that's so how it works yeah okay if there's no god and if we're not therefore we're not all created equal therefore there are some people who are inherently better than others yeah, yeah. and it would be the right thing to do based on their worldview to take out the weaker person because they're just parasites because they're parasites on society that's so crazy how it all ties together. You've got the the science of quote evolution, and then you've got the philosophy of of atheism and nihilism. And, and nihilism. You've
2: got because uh, that's what you're left with. Like if you you've we, got the political system yes. of
1: Marxism, how it all ties together.
2: Well, we have like the people who are um, more like casual atheists who they just don't believe in God, but they live like there is a God. Like they live relatively moral and they live as if things matter. Yeah. But if you like Nietzsche, if you take it to its logical extreme. You go crazy. He went insane. Yeah.
0: Did you yeah. recall Marx dedicated his writings to Charles Darwin?
1: Did he? Yeah. That makes sense. It kind of all ties it together. Yeah. It's almost like they told us what they are all about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Satan.
1: Satan. Yes. The father of lies. Yes.
0: And now America loves him too.
1: Satan or Marx? Both. Both. <laughs> Both. Same guy, to be honest. Do you yes. think that... There is any chance for America to, obviously America is a post-Christian society currently. Do you think there's any chance to go back? Or are we going to be like every other um, nation that, uh, that it's eventually It's too early dies? to tell. We is, can't... It, is it too early to tell?
0: I don't know. To be honest with you, I think that the history of the Bible, um, according to the Bible, every time a society is of God and then strays from that, the redemptive history says that they are allowed to be destroyed.
2: Yeah, but hopefully we'll be like, uh, what was it? In Jonah. Was it Nineveh? Nineveh? Well, hopefully a Jonah pulls up to air and says, you guys are going to be destroyed. And we're like, ooh. I don't know. All I know is
0: that you don't kill 60 million babies and go unjudged.
1: That's true. (laughs) That's all I know. It almost would feel wrong if we didn't get judged in some way for the slaughter of the unborn.
2: That's true, but also God can redeem us as a nation and... Restore all those things that are that are broken and we can be a light a city on a hill like we were supposed to be Mm -hmm. because we're the only I mean Our constitution is the greatest political document in history and we were the only country that Really had a foundation that was built upon a republic and built upon a biblical form of government other than like the Hebrews um, In ancient Israel and that that prosperity that our nation brought is so much greater than any other like economic prosperity, spiritual prosperity, the freedom to worship God. And um, I think that we are certainly a, a special nation compar- comparatively to history. Mm-hmm. So I do think that this is, uh, we pray that God spares us and that he gives us a chance. He, we have a chance to repent, and it's now. Yeah. So,
1: Jordan, what is your experience with the uh, the adoption? Side of um, the, the issue of adoption um, in the argument of abortion?
0: Well, the first thing I would say is there's a common trope of people always say that there's 38 families um, there's 38 families waiting to adopt every single baby in the United States. That's not technically true. The actual number is like 21 or 23 families per every baby. That's still a huge, um, what is the ratio? Is that?
1: I'm not sure, but it's, that's, that's that is, pretty not
0: that, extraordinary. It's a 23, uh, let's say 21 to, to 1 ratio. I will also say that the adoption process, especially private adoptions, can be very expensive, ranging anywhere from $15,000 to $60,000 on average. That's, that's crazy. ridiculous. Right. It's a lot of money. Yeah. It is very expensive. Um, that being said, the m- large number of women who get abortions are, first of all, multiple-time patients. And second of all, they are mostly college-aged women, right? So they're not 35-year-old women who are single-income households who genuinely cannot afford. They are young women who are in college who are acting promiscuous, and they have a baby. Um, and you can you can bring up rape statistics, which is an awful, awful thing, right? You can bring up, you know, pregnant children, which is uh, a whole different other kind of unspeakable evil. But the point of it is is that abortion is murder. You're killing a baby whether you like it or not. And if you want to take a rape victim and make two victims out of one situation, then that's that's your burden to bear. Right, that's your burden to bear. But um, really, you can't use that those issues to sort of eclipse the entire issue of abortion, which is that women and um, fathers and mothers are delivering their children to be butchered not two hours from the places that we're worshiping here on Cape Cod, there's a there's um, an abortion facility in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and the point is, is that yes, we have to support the women. We have to we have to back them up. Um, we have to go there and preach the gospel where they're killing babies, right? And say, hey, we love you. There's redemption and and love and and um, forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Um, I'll adopt your baby. Please don't, please don't kill your baby, right? Mom, whatever you do, please do not kill your baby. We will help you. Um, but at the same time, that's secondhand because if you were out of high school, right, the, the hearts of these women in a sense are are secondhand because if you were at a high school and there was a school shooting, right, God forbid, I know we have those um, sometimes in America, but um, God forbid you were at a shooting, right, you would not go outside the school, and protest, and say, we need to love these shooters. No, because they're secondhand, because the first thing that you need to do, right, and this is commanded all over the Bible, pure, unadulterated religion is this, the treatment of the orphan and the widow. Um, you have to save the children from their slaughter first. It is absolutely commanded all throughout the Bible. If you see your brother stumbling towards the slaughter, you stop him. That's in Proverbs. Um, but the point right that i'm getting to is that as far as the shooting analogy is that you're not saving the shooters first you're saving the victims first because that is more urgent than the hearts of the people committing the murders and when you're bringing your baby to a place where it's being pulled apart you're you're it's a hit participating man. in in murder absolutely yeah that's pretty good abortion doctors don't drive around neighborhoods looking for babies to kill
2: they just don't. Yeah, that's not how it works. So yeah, that's pretty. I think that's one of the things is, we as the church, we need to stop being so soft and afraid, and we need to preach against yeah. abortion and, actually, and literally and be active and be active. In faith and you yeah. met with a pastor. I haven't met with him yet. Oh, you haven't met. I have him not yet. met okay. with him yet. Tell us about
1: that church. So the, it's a church agency. that's
0: close to where I live, and I'm I'm kind of working on a. a a ministry right working on ministry of of going to abortion facilities and like i said talking to them and there's an example that's been set to me by a, a group called end abortion now which stands firm on the issue of abortion right that that um the baby in the womb deserves to be protected from life until natural death um and when you when you read through the bible right one of the things that god abhors one of the things that christians always say is they love this word um, abomination right Typically, when you hear abomination, you hear Christians talking about homosexuality. But one of the things that God abominates, one of the things that God abhors is unequal weights and measures, right? So if you're putting a weight in front of you, um, you don't put two stones on this one for your personal gain and one stone over here, right? So if you have an issue with slavery and the beating of our black brothers and sisters, you should have just as much of an issue with abortion. And If you're right, and, and I mean, look, 200 years ago when we had slavery in America, um. there was people that were just doing exactly the same. They were settling. The they same settling. arguments, yeah. yeah. It was the same exact arguments. They're not people yet. They were saying, um, it's okay. The thing that, that a lot of pro-life people do, right? Um, uh, Sorry, a lot of pro-life leaders have done. Kathy Herrod is a great example. She's the pro-life leader in Arizona who legalized abortion for the mother and two, passed a bill and celebrated a bill that said, one, it is okay to kill these babies, as long as you use blunt instruments, and two, you can kill these babies if you give them proper burials and you use
2: painkillers. So that's ridiculous. Translation: I didn't even Know about that? Yeah, it's absurd, that's right? Crazy. And she's pro life leader. She's
0: the pro life. She's the leader of the pro life organization. How in, can you
2: even claim
0: that? Exactly, my friend, and and that's one of the biggest issues. Is there's been thirty three bills put out across the United States by end abortion now. Seventeen of them were shot down within the first five months by pro life leaders across the states. Wow. In um, Oklahoma was a big one. Um, that you can look up. I forget the leader's name. It was a man down there, but um, the point is, is that these were the same people who 150, 200 years ago were saying things like, "You can beat this black man, but you got to give him a shot of whiskey first, so he's more comfortable when you beat him." Right. So again, like I said, um, if you have a problem, if you have a problem with slavery, you should have just as much of a problem with abortion.
2: When it was the same thing. My body, my choice. They used to say, my plantation, my prerogative. That's yeah. the same thing that they said. They really? Said, don't tell me what to do on my plantation. It's my property. Yeah, yeah.
1: I can do what I want. So, Wow. My goodness gracious. I can't believe. Okay, okay talk about those bills. Um, do you know any more specifics about those bills? Like the one in Oklahoma, you, you touched on that. Can you explain what that actually is The one in Oklahoma is I about? know
0: less about okay. than
1: Kathy Harrod. Okay.
0: But I don't know a lot of the
1: crazy details. It just seems crazy to me that you would have pro-life leaders shooting down... Can I tell you why? Bill, Yes, please.
0: Um, The reason is because um, a lot of these pro-life leaders, they believe in these bills, they agree with them, they vote with them when they go to hearing. They vote on them when they go to hearing, they pass them, right? But then they say, um, actually, we can't support any bill that would criminalize the mother. We cannot support any bill that would say in any way that the mother is less of a victim than her baby. So Mm. should
1: we, let's think uh, philosophically, take ourselves out of our present circumstance in America? I thought you didn't like hypotheticals. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. In a perfect world, should uh, should we criminalize abortion for both the... Doc, the, the father, the mother, and the doctor? Like, how far do we go as far as criminalizing? or, or put Yes. In, like, how far do we go? The man, do we criminalize the man who impregnated the woman, the woman who chose to get an abortion, and the doctor who performed the abortion?
0: Well, I'll say, I'll answer first very quickly. The doctor who commits the abortion, 100% yeah. right off the bat. I think we can I all think, agree with that. I think they should get the death penalty. I completely agree. Um, yeah. The mother, um, First of all, you have to look into the circumstances, right, Um, and the father. Um, I think if a father abandons his baby to be killed, yeah, he's participating in murder actively. And if a mother delivers her her baby to be murdered, yeah, she's participating in murder. Everyone involved is guilty. Abortion is murder, and everyone involved is guilty, period. And look, I mean, I I was arguing with somebody who's very close to me about this, and they brought up this case of this 16-year-old girl that they knew. And they said, "Well, her parents forced her into it, and and she really didn't know. And it's like she didn't have a choice. And it's like, well, well she was a
1: minor; she would be prosecuted. She differently. She was a minor;
0: she would be prosecuted differently. But not only that, her parents would be liable. her parents would be liable. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing is, is people always go on this trope of, okay, well, what if there's an abusive man who forces her to get an abortion? He's liable. Yeah, he forced you her. You treat to get it an abortion. just like
2: murder now, right? Just, Which is what it is. It's the same thing.
0: If you if if you are." If your wife is being threatened by a man and you go out and kill him, there is a case for you to argue that you were acting under duress, which would force you to not be guilty for murder.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay, yeah. so I, I see the emotional argument. So why do you think these pro-life leaders don't want to criminalize it for the mother?
2: I I don't I couldn't I t- I mean you. I think votes it's- really I think a lot of it is votes. They know that it's not. They've been told by and you even we we go a little bit in this, that we shouldn't run on abortion because it's not popular and people don't agree with it. And they say, we've been told by our Republican Party that we can't really run on the issue of abortion. And if we're supporting these heavily heavily anti-abortion laws, we're not going to get voted back into office. So they, they cave. Yes,
0: I agree with that. I also agree with a lot of that comes from that, like you said, the emotional part of it, which is that um, a lot of people nowadays are, are very led by how they feel about things. Even Christians, right they've lost that kind of ability to just disagree right and like I was saying earlier about um, about the slaves in America and how we kind of dealt with that and, and you know outlawed slavery, obviously, um, it wasn't atheists who did that. It was not atheism that destroyed William Wilberforce. look him up. Yeah, well, look up the William Wilberforce. Um, who was the other guy? Charlie Kirk always talks about. In the pews, in the churches. Oh my god. Well, whoever it was that wasn't with Martin it... Luther King. Martin oh. Luther King Jr.? It was with Martin Luther King Jr.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. In the context of slavery?
0: Or... Yeah, in civil rights and that kind of thing. Why don't Malcolm
1: X was another guy? Malcolm
0: X was one he talked about. There's a different one that I'm trying to think
1: of. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X. That was against slavery? Confucius, Mahatma Gandhi, <laughs> Muhammad, <laughs> Ali. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. Muhammad <laughs> Ali buddha <laughs> no but
0: the but the point is um i can't remember what i was saying before so i can't say what the point is yeah
2: oh, well, that's unfortunate <laughs> that's unfortunate but well, i think um i i was the, we were talking yes. about the life of the well, mother well yeah and what well, we were talking about um people who are against slavery in, in history it was kind of the thing well i brought up william wilberforce and um i think who was it that wrote amazing grace uh, oh 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 john newton wasn't he it was the same thing with him too wasn't he a slave trader he was a slave trader john newton was a slave christian. trader turned christian and started um he was that's the thing is one of the things i like is um and he was a mentor of he was, of was an abolitionist Will- William of William slavery yeah. yeah but yeah. that
0: that's the point though is is that that i uh, we have a friend who who we've talked about and i've i've kind of argued with him and kyle about this um which is that i don't believe that that kind of common Conception that people have is that. Oh, well, we just don't have the amount. We don't have the support that we need to Take out abortion right to remove abortion from the States, but I don't believe that I believe that if the Christian Church if the Right stood up and and was reminded right to bring the authority of Christ into these issues Mm. and say things like abortion is murder repent and believe the gospel, right? Yeah, um then I think it would happen, right? There was an example in Colorado um, where it was end abortion now, right? And pastor Jeff Durbin was going to speak um, on behalf of one of their bills that was going into hearing in Colorado. And uh, basically he said to his church, he asked them to call the the leaders of the church and preach the gospel to them or the leaders rather, not the church, the leaders and the the councilmen and women and senators who were going to be at this hearing to um, repent, right? And they were telling them to, to give them gospel messages there was so many people calling them and and saying repent and believe the gospel the kingdom of god is at hand right abortion is murder confess to what you've done get on your knees before god that kind of message right bringing the authority of christ into those situations not just the science says right yeah um they were preaching the word of god at them there was so many phone calls that they were begging them please call your people tell them to stop calling us and it's like Same thing in another hearing in um in Oklahoma where um they he actually no, was it Oklahoma or was it um Alabama? It might have been one of those states, but um they were in front of these these people who were listening and keep in mind there's scientists and doctors and they're coming in and they're saying things like, Please, please, uh this is what the science is saying. We know from our, our Um, studies that the baby is actually feeling this pain and not only are they feeling this pain for this procedure and they are alive but they're actually feeling the pain worse than you would because their nerves aren't fully developed yet they're higher they have higher exposure the pain is is nearly twice what it would be for a normal person um please and and it's like they're they're coming in and they're they're saying these things about their science and their studies and and yes science is an observation of god's creation but they're taking god out of it and his authority out of it right they're fighting this war void of the christian message and then wondering why they're losing mm. and so what what he did is they they brought in the message and they said they said sled right which is the only difference between us and babies is size level of development um degree and degree of dependence um And it's, they preached the gospel message, right? And it's like, you know that this is wrong. God calls you to repent and believe the gospel. And they gave him like an elevator pitch of the Bible. Um, And these people got up and walked out, right? The whole time they were sitting there eating Doritos while people are begging them to stop the murder of babies. And they just loved it. They loved sitting in judgment. They loved being able to tell them what they're not and going to do. Um, And when they started preaching the gospel at them, they got up and left because they could not sit there under the it. hearing of the truth and their consciences not be seared. When, yeah. In, in the
2: presence of light, the darkness must flee. That yeah. is and the I difference. And I think that's what it does is it, it demands um, these politicians answer to who, um, who they're accountable to. Are right. they accountable to themselves and their own personal standard of what they believe is right and wrong? Or are they accountable to the creator of the universe who wrote the law of morality on our hearts right. and i think it it demands an answer for right. why they're allowing the slaughter of babies in our country right
0: and then i'll i'll, I'll say this too is the bible says um there's a couple verses that i'll bring up and um don't ask me exactly where they're from because i'm good at remembering scripture but i'm not good at remembering the page and number of where it's from um but there's scripture and i know for a fact that it says this um but one of them says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the fatherless. Give me a better example of somebody who's fatherless than one that is abandoned by both of their protectors um, to be butchered. A by baby. a hitman. By, by an assassin who's hired to bring a knife in, stab them, and pull their, their limbs out one by one. Crush their skull, actually, is what they do. They crush their skull, and then they pull their pieces out, and then they put it on a little tray. And um, they put it back together like a puzzle to make sure that they got Who's everything so that, that it guy? doesn't infect the mother's womb and kill her.
2: He got before Congress and he said that, didn't there? there was a doctor, a former abortion doctor. Yeah, I don't know what his name abortion. was. Yeah. But um, it's just amazing because I don't think people really know exactly what they do. They kind of hide it and make it seem like it's this nice, cushy procedure. And that's what people say. It's oh, not what safe. Do- no, what about... Well, anyways, there is no safe abortions because every abortion ends in the death of an innocent child. Yeah. So you can't even say that there's oh, what about, well, if you make abortion illegal, then what about all, like, there won't be any safe abortions, and they'll go, they'll use coat hangers. And it's like, no abortion is safe, even if it's legal. Like, yep. if I if it's legal to have slavery like it was, that doesn't make the slavery safe. Yeah, should we keep slavery legal just because we're afraid that if
1: if there is, if it's illegal, there's going to be some... Where underground get hurt. underground yeah. slavery or whatever yeah
2: like oh there's going to be you know the bad slavery the bad <laughs> slavery. not the good slavery where we're nice to them yeah
1: <laughs> all slavery is bad all abortion is bad yeah yeah evil deplorable but are we live in a post christian society that is fueled by that um, convenience I, quick living yeah microwave life we sacrifice we've sacrificed. our culture is sacrificed to six it used to be the Aztecs would sacrifice children uh, to their gods, and they would, they would, they would um, throw them down the side of the pyramid. Yeah, they would, they would cut their hearts out and then throw them down the side of the pyramid. And that So all throughout history, child sacrifice, first it was to Baal and Moloch, um, and all throughout history, for some reason, the devil wants to go after children. And we are experiencing that in society today and it's our responsibility to say no. that it stops here. real men stand up and say no. we have been entrusted with this. we're talking about when do we stand up? when true true power, true strength is power under control, when do we reveal that power? when mm. when is it time to actually stand up? is when it's when the fatherless are seeking justice. is when they're crying out and being mm. butchered in the womb. that's when real men have to stand up.
2: And we uh, we look throughout history and say, Oh, how could these evil things happen throughout history because of people like us who sit back and do nothing and watch while it happens? Because good men decided to do nothing. Yeah, what is yeah. There's not a lack quote. of
1: there's not a lack of men who understand that abortion is wrong in America. There is a lack of men and women who understand who, who are unwilling to do the hard thing to do the hard thing and be uncomfortable for a little bit for a higher good. Yeah. and they will be judged for that.
2: You about to say something, Jordan? About uh,
0: all that evil needs to win is for good men to do nothing,
1: right? Yeah,
2: good yeah, quote? that's a good quote. All that evil, all devil. that evil, all that
0: evil needs <laughs> to evil. succeed. <laughs> the devil. and then uh of course, the famous one: not oh. to speak is to speak;
1: oh. not to act is to act. Your not silence is violence. Silence is, <laughs> violence. is violence. There's a grain of truth to that. Though. I mean, Dietrich there is. Bonhoeffer, it's DC true. It's actually Dietrich Bonhoeffer true. said that. Uh, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is He's to, to act. act. Yeah. So oh. the
2: silence is violence. They use it in the in the wrong way. But it's, it is matter, baby. it is basically true. <laughs> it is basically true. It is true. They so, they use
1: it in the sense of like oh if you don't like you know if you don't say that you know um, you're against racism then that means you're racist because silence is violence. But that's not what it means.
2: So yeah, it's it's wild. It's
1: crazy, man. Uh, Hunter, do you want to? Here.
2: We should cut here, and we should we should um stop that so we save at least what we have in case it dies because the battery's running low. No, I'm gonna
0: plug it in. And cut.
2: Yeah. So can you at least stop it? Where, or well, you're gonna plug it in, so it's gonna. Be- oh, I need another cup of coffee, Wait,
0: boys. You know the other thing that we should do after this. Tobacco. Talk about it. Thoughts. Let's talk
2: about it. Should you it shift be Ill- from abortion to tobacco? Should it
0: be illegal? Should tobacco be illegal?
2: Um, how do we shift from the abortion topic? I don't think we do yet, just yet. Okay. What do you want? You have more to
0: I don't say? know. Do we have anything else to say on it? I mean, obviously, we all agree that it's, it's not buzzing. Evil. I mean, I'm sure sure there's going to be people in here who have um things to say to try to. Um, uh, it's not buzzing. Negate no. my. Argument or certain opinions that we might have about punishments that we should bring upon them. Just to be clear, I'm not saying that we should. Wait, give let me let me
1: just bring it back in. Okay.
0: Hold sure.
2: on,
0: I'm not ready
1: yet. Okay. Am I good? Yep. I'm worried. It's. I mean, it's recording. So well,
2: this is the wrong way. Hunter, how do you put these over your ears? I'm just putting
0: one in. I'm putting mine in because I can I hear myself. My I know where to be at the mic. Be built different. Built
2: different. Just, do I sound fine? You are built different. Hunter is like a foot shorter than both of us. Come
1: come on. I really want to. So let's um, are we starting? Let's
2: cutting cutting back in now.
1: Yeah. So I really want to. Um, I I want to understand why do pro why do leaders of the pro life I can't just believe that it's all about votes and that there is like a maniacal thing behind it. I really the, the fact that they wouldn't support a bill if it criminalizes the mother. Why not just why not just take that out of the bill, you know? Like why not criminalize? Because why do you have an to criminalize? Weight the measure. It's an abomination to God. But like it's politics. God. Like you get there's an argument that says, okay, let's just you know, let's just get what we can. You know, we're not going to get everything we want right away. But
2: that's an abomination in the eyes of God. You can't compromise your way out of an abomination, basically. Yes, it's not. It's, it's and at an, what point do we... So,
1: so would it be wrong to have a federal um, 15-week abortion ban? Because it's not. It's compromised because we're not banning abortion completely. Would that be wrong? Let or me ask would, you this.
0: Would you go into a school and say, you have to let the high schoolers live, but you can kill all the kindergartners?
1: Oh, what, what is that comparison?
0: That comparison is you can kill a baby if it's before 15 weeks, but you can't. If it's younger. After.
2: No, yeah. but
1: what I'm saying will answer the question, though. If, if there was a uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, the senator, he proposed a bill uh, to that, uh, into the Senate saying a federal 15-week abortion ban, what do you think, w- would you vote for that?
0: If there was nothing else to vote for, yes.
1: Okay, but you're compromising because it's not a total abortion ban. There yeah. are still
0: I think it's a compromise, I think that so then, so then it's
1: okay to like so why would take you out yes so so why would so why would the end abortion now not just take out the part where it's criminalizing the mother for now, because at least it's ending abortion, at least it's criminalizing because, the doctor,
0: because those who declare the guilty innocent and the innocent guilty are an abomination in the eyes of God,
1: yeah, okay, so that's different then because it because it's talking specifically about the women. It's different because well, the thing it's talking is, it's about saying that
2: it's the government's role is to establish justice, and it's you're saying that it's just for the women to not be. It's okay. It's unrealistic to to not like.
1: I I agree. I believe the women should be criminalized in an ideal world, and I think we could get there one day. But, but you don't think un, we can
0: get there right away? No, See, that's not with we... one
1: bill. That's not how politics works. It, you have people. You have to deal with people's agendas. That's that's the cool thing about America is that it takes we set up a system where it takes a really really long time to make political change. And there's honestly a, there there's there's a there's a there's an issue if one bill can just go through and and radically change something. I I completely um it, that's that's why I mean senators are in place for 6 years, reps are in place for 2 years, presidents are in place for 4 years. Like it it, it takes a, a good long argument. time for politic for uh, political change to actually occur I agree with you 100% like I do believe but
0: the that the point I isn't... believe
1: with the I believe in the bill I disagree with those pro-life leaders voting against that bill that criminalizes the mother but it's like why why not just take what you can
2: get I don't understand that mm-hmm. but the thing is well the more so the focus needs to be not taking what we can get is getting the people who are on the fence because the devil owns the fence. Well, but that's
0: that's <laughs> the point that I'm trying to get yeah. at, Sam, is that we you can say all the day long that it takes a little bit of time. Maybe that's the case, but we don't even have half of what it takes to get there. It's like, so if you want to vote that we have to use blunt instruments because we can get that, then by all means, vote that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to vote that we have to use painkillers. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not going to say where I stand because... You're right. I can't say whether that's moral or immoral. I guess that's not up to me to weigh, right? Um, But at the end of the day, if my mission is to go out and save as many individual babies as I can, and to get more people on board to say, let's ban this completely, rather than, hey, let's take this half a step at a time and just kind of ease into it. I don't believe that we have to do that. I think we have to... You think there's already enough support? I think... that there's enough people who agree with us that aren't willing to say it, mm. right? Mm. If the church wanted to ban abortion, we would.
2: Mm. That's a good point. But we just
0: haven't. That's that's my point. Isn't that um, politics isn't going fast enough for me? It's that um, we have the people, but they're just not saying anything. Mm. They're just being quiet. That's a good point. And so that's the whole thing about the pro-life leaders is it's not that... Um, they're trying to take their time or they're necessarily trying to do it wrong or right, but it's that they're compromising. They're actually
2: voting against, like, they could vote for these bills right. and get These them bills are in front of them, yeah.
0: and they're killing them. It's not that they're trying to take it one step at a time and then it would never make it. It's that they are making the lethal decision to end the bill. Hmm. That's a good point.
2: Well, all, who look, knows
0: where that would go if they didn't do
2: that? That's all. I'm, yeah, I'm that's, good. that's good. I mean, okay. we, we basically agree. Um, I think well, it's interesting too. This, this political, this way of getting things done politically, because it's the same thing in slavery. Um, they put when they created the Constitution, there was people advocating for, in the Constitutional Convention, talking about, hey, what about this, you know, slavery thing? That doesn't make there is um, I think it was George Mason. He was a founding father, and he basically said that. He stood up in front of the Con- Continental Congress, or the, not the Continental Congress, the Constitutional Convention, and said... <coughs> oh, Bless you. thank he you, said? thank you. He said... He said <coughs> that's what he said. Ugh. He said, um, America will be judged by God for the sin of slavery. Mm-hmm. And what was the judgment? The Civil War. And they were...
1: Mass bloodshed. Yeah.
2: That's the same thing that, that we're kind of doing now, is they compromised back then, which they had to do to get the nation to be started because if if they tried to outlaw slavery in the constitutional convention we wouldn't have had the united states because the southern states weren't going to agree to abolish slavery right there in the constitutional constitutional convention so they made a way for um they said that um slavery couldn't be abolished until after this year but until after i think it was until after like 1808 but after that it was assumed that slavery was kind of already on its way out and people were abolishing mm-hmm. it. People were already against it. Mm-hmm. It was They were taking quick steps to yes, work right. against it. Yes, right. so it's kind of, it's. I don't know how to work through the political nuances of, of that. And I mm-hmm. think that the founders probably did better than I ever could. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to look back on the same kind of things that were happening and the same people that were saying similar things that we're saying now. And um, their ending was they had to fight a war where, mil- where millions of people died. Maybe millions. Hundreds no, of thousands. H- hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of people. Maybe it was probably over a million combined. I think between. it was. It was the two? bloodiest uh, war for
1: Americans. Yeah. So, American
0: so, oh, no. It was 800-something thousand, right? Yeah. Was, almost a, a million. It was yeah.
2: a lot of people who died to fight for the truth, basically. Yeah. So, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying we have to have a civil war over abortion.
0: Actually, it was for states' rights. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. you're. I mean, that's part of it, obviously. States' rights to what?
1: To... My plantation, my prerogative.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, both sides had some. That's a whole other. The Revolutionary. I mean, not Revolutionary War. The Civil War is a whole nother topic that okay. people. Sorry. Continue. Yes. Misrepresent.
1: So it's that's a really good comparison. It's always good to look at history if we want to address what's going on now. We look at history and say, how did people in the past handle it? We can see people who handled it poorly, and ha- people who handled it well. Handled it well. Do you believe, and you, it's good, I think slavery and abortion, we compare them a lot, I think it's a good comparison, um, because it's judging people based on their external circumstances that they cannot control, and it's speaking up for people who cannot speak up for themselves, whether it be a certain color or in, a the, certain womb, level in of the womb, development. a certain level of development, or in the womb where they can't speak for themselves. Um, do you believe that, like you, you brought up the constitutional, uh, continental, continental Constitutional, Constitutional con- convention. Constitutional convention. You brought that up. Do you believe that it would have been the true moral Christian thing to not sign until they agreed slavery uh, until slavery was outlawed in the
2: Constitution? The thing is, it wouldn't have been signed. Okay, we but wouldn't do you have think- had, So it's either you're saying we shouldn't have an, a nation. We shouldn't have had. A, we, they should have said we won't agree to become a nation with you guys because they weren't going to get the South in the Union if they.
1: Yes, but do you um, think, yeah, I know, but yes. do you think that would have been the right thing to do as a Christian? Like if Jordan and I were having this argument about slavery in the Constitutional Convention <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but, and I'm and I'm saying, and Jordan's like, no, we have to, I'm not putting, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm trying to like equate the two examples. Jordan's like, no, I'm not signing the Constitution until slavery is outlawed because it is an abomination. Um, slavery, is an ab- uh, slavery is an abomination, racism slavery is an abomination and i'm like yeah i agree completely 100% but we're not going to be able to found this nation this nation is not going to be able to start we will never outlaw slavery unless we start the nation unless we compromise and give a little bit
2: because it's we, it's a good question i mean i don't know there's there's a balance and a line somewhere line somewhere and i don't know where it is yeah i'm not that smart that's all i've got yeah. i mean it's it's tough because That As Christians, obviously, we have to unashamedly speak the truth in love. But to what level does that apply to law and government in terms of getting things done that can actually produce results?
0: Well, and at what point does it become that that the blood of those people that you signed to oppress fall upon your hands? And I'm not saying that it does or doesn't or whatever, but, I mean, if somebody shoots down a bill that's going to save a certain amount of lives... Who's to say the blood's not on their hands, right? Hmm. Yeah. Only God can weigh the heart of a man. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the answer to that question because it's a good question. Yeah. I was smiling because I know we're going to talk about this later. But <laughs> it was a good question. Um, I don't have that answer for you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And neither do I. I don't know what I would choose. It, I don't know. In my heart of hearts, like looking back, I, w- I would want to be that guy who's saying, no, I will not until slavery is outlawed because I believe that history tends to look more kindly on the people who stick to their convictions right. and don't come.
0: History, history. the cautious men do not come in the the, um, the hard times, right? The cautious men come after writing about the strong men, supporting them for their bravery, right? Kind yeah. of cheering, on, yeah. cheering them on for their bravery.
1: But you could say that those people in the Constitutional Convention who who tried to, like there were two sides. They were like, we will not sign unless slavery is legal. And the other side, I'm sure there were these two sides. I'm just assuming. And the other side said, uh, we will not side if slavery is legal in any way. Mm. Um, And you had to have had those people who were bringing unity, those people in the Constitutional Convention, maybe the leaders, maybe it was Washington, Ben Franklin, no, I have no clue. But uh, you had to have had those people who you could we could say, oh, they were just trying to get a nation started and they were compromising. And they're like, come on, guys, we'll give each each of you a little bit, you know, like the equivalent of saying, you know, we'll give the Democrats a little, we'll give the Republicans a little um, but you could also give them a more charitable, give it a more charitable read, uh, or a more charitable perspective, and see like, hey, they're just trying to bring unity. Like, isn't unity a Christ-like thing? Like, what what is? Is it unity? I think or the is question unity? is unity to
2: what? Unity to agree to kill people is not Christ-like. No. So I would say it depends on what you're unifying to. Well, okay. Okay. So so
0: can you make the analogy? is it stupid to ask if you can make the analogy of your wife and your kid are trapped in a car that's falling off a bridge? You only grab one of them.
1: <laughs>
2: that's a good question. Is that a bad analogy? No, I mean, that... it's not really because it's saying, well, you are, if, if, um... Well, I'm not
1: trying to found a nation while I'm trying to save my wife and kid. So I don't think that's a very good analogy. <laughs> well, the issue affects,
2: uh, the issue affects millions of people rather than just your wife one and or child. two.
0: Yes, but it's it's the... Moral, uh, moral roadblock, or what is it
1: called? I don't know. You're, I don't know you're either. It.
2: But no, you're you're asking like, what's the philosophical question <laughs> behind what we're saying? Is that what you're you're saying? What's the yes, what's the, the, the basically the choosing the lesser right? Like if you bring it down is, to individual people. it's yeah.
0: two people are about to fall off a bridge. Which one do you save? The older guy or the younger?
2: Because right? either whatever you do, someone's gonna die. Someone's so, dying. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with, if we tie that to abortion is like, um, I guess with the abortion laws now, like, if you're saying, well, 15 weeks is better than 30 weeks, so we should agree to the 15 week one because it's all we're going to get. So I think that that might be a, a fair. Yeah. Like, I would vote for that if I knew it was all, like, because I, I if, would fight for more. How many are after but... 15 weeks? How many lives would that save? If that's it's all we can get. It's yeah. a good, it's a good question.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to sit here and say that I wouldn't vote for that. I think that what you could do is if that's what's on the table, a good balance. And that's going to save kids.
2: A good balance to be is I'm voting for this bill, not because I believe that it is good to. I think abortion should be legal, period. But I'm only voting for this bill because there are a million babies being slaughtered a year. And I'd rather have it be. Six hundred thousand. And keep in mind, yes. too, that
0: these people that are shooting down these bills, right, Kathy Herod she's not proposing bills that are saying, hey, I don't want to hold the mother accountable, let's do 15 weeks. She's proposing bills that are saying, let's not hold the mother accountable, that's not fair, um, let's instead make it so that you can kill all these babies, as many as you want, but you have to use blunt instruments, you have to give them proper burials, and you have to give them painkillers first.
1: Yeah, so that's crazy. We can all agree that's insane. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. a false representation but these of are the pro-life b- movement. But is
0: it a false representation because she's the head of the organization yes. of it, an she entire does not state? Resent. She does not represent. Not the entire organization. And I'm not, like I said. She does not I, rep- represent I the pro-life base. I don't believe that most In the pro- same way
1: our Republican leaders don't, rese- okay. don't represent well, the Republican So
0: base. So, yes, they don't represent it as a whole. But how many of the pro-life... Base also agree. This is a common heresy in the in the pro life base. Is that the mother and father have no accountability to the murder of the baby at all? That is it's a solid
2: amount. If they didn't believe that
0: one thing is, if they didn't believe that she would not be in the position that she's in. Yeah. yeah,
1: but I love what you said. I'm bringing it back to what you said, Hunter. I love that. That like I but forget ideology. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe maybe that's the line between compromise and and unity of compromise versus unity. Maybe maybe that's the line between all or nothing and being willing to to give a little, you know, whether that be slavery and the Constitutional Convention or whether that is abortion right now in present day. Well, hold on. Whether that be abortion in present day, you have to, like, put ideology aside. If I vote yes or no on this bill, how many babies will be saved right now? If I vote for a 15-week ban, it will at least save some babies, a lot of babies, because most abortions happen in the first 15 weeks, I'm fairly certain. So it would save a ton of babies. We can deal with we're you know like you said it's not a million it's six hundred thousand. Like praise God that we were able to save four hundred thousand children from slaughter. But praise and then God. we do
2: the but we're pushing
1: for more. We're, not finished, yeah. we're not finished. We're not finished. We're not even close to being finished. Yeah, we are still fighting. And, and praise God that we were able to save these kids. Like in Texas, I ever after the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe, Roe v. Wade, um. By the way, I was very, 2% of pastors actually mentioned Roe v. Wade, the overturning of Roe v. Wade from the pulpit. I 2% weak, of American pastors. Weak, I weak passive, beta cuck males. Just want to say that. <laughs> you, you effing losers of pastors. I get so angry at pastors who did not talk about yeah. that and refuse to speak on abortion. I mean, like, yeah. you will be judged harshly. Yeah. You've got I a glorified
2: harshly. social club over there. Honestly, yeah. Let me I, just
1: yeah. say oh, that. It drives me nuts. Anyways. Uh, the the other thing too is they have
0: these these big huge meetings and these hearings for these bills and they have two or three pastors that show up and maybe 25 members of a church body from around and then there's 250 or 500 pro-choice people having a rally outside and you have 27 church members there, two of them are pastors at the pro-choice rally? uh, no, no, at the hearing for these bills that would outlaw abortion in the state in Alabama it's legal right now for a mother to go and Give herself an abortion and live stream it on her social media platforms. In Alabama. In Alabama.
2: In Alabama. Alabama? Alabama? Dude, that That's some honky talk, but Donkey Dunks <laughs> right <That's, isn't> there. <laughs> that's, it's actually disgusting. No, though. it is. No, it's disgust real real yeah. talk. It's gross. Yeah. And um <sighs> Yeah, it is I think that's the thing is is George Mason agreed to sign the Constitution. But he said America will be judged. <laughs> For the sin of slavery. Yeah. And he that was probably a prophetic moment. But let's think about this. Yeah. If they
1: if the South I I believe slavery might still be legal in the South if we had not compromised and became the United You're right. States. You're right. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have slavery in the north, have had, have but there would be slavery in the South still, potentially. I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking in hypotheticals here. But since we did compromise, it set us on a path towards outlawing slavery completely. That's good. So maybe we look at that in the same way, that way with abortion. There is, abortion is deep. It's entrenched. But there's a, lot, there's a lot of people who just need to be awakened. Who There's a lot of people who are pro-life and just need to be awakened to actually be like, hey, I well, need to actually do something about thing. what I
2: believe. I don't even associate myself with the term pro-life. I, think, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I like using the term of I'm an abolitionist of abortion. Yeah, because yeah. That, the, the pro-life movement has dropped the ball in so many different things that I don't even want to associate with them anymore and the abolition of abortion is more specific because you then when you go you say oh i'm pro-life they go and say oh well you're not pro-life you're after yeah you're pro-birth and i think it stops and says no we're just abolishing abortion don't talk about any of these, uh, these other things well we can talk about that a different time but at the end of the day there's babies being murdered and like you were talking about earlier how it's we focus on the babies being killed first we focus on the murder of the unjust we don't the other things are secondary issues and, um, I think that's a good thing. Put that in a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> what? Abolitionist generation. That would be good. That would be good, dude. Yeah. The, other yeah. I I so about, um, the other thing that I wanted to say about the other
0: thing that I wanted to say about Roe versus Wade is um, who who was it? Was it Jefferson that said uh, any any law or rule that is made that it, it goes against the Constitution, you can overturn it. Who was it that said that?
1: That was the preamble of the Constitution, right? If if any if when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of people to alter yes. or to abolish it. That's the Declaration of Independence. Now, yeah, if you believe the in the Thirteenth
0: Amendment, you probably wouldn't have had to listen to Roe versus Wade, and they could have made laws that protect the lives of people.
2: Anyways, yeah, basically. that's another question that I would bring up is, at what point do we have a responsibility to break the law to protect babies from being murdered? Like, at what point do we say, we're going to go, like, especially with these ones where it's, like, so heinous, it's, like, eight months and they're killing them. It's, like, do we even go in there to the abortion clinics and stop it from happening? Like, at what point do we do that? Because that's was- something to think about. Like, I don't know. Because this is a thing, Um, I'm going to make another connection to history because I, I think it's important, is in the, in the Holocaust, there would be the, the trains sending the, the people to the concentration camps, sending Jews to concentration camps, and there would be churches on the railroad, and they would be singing hymns, and they would tell them to sing the hymns louder so they don't hear the screams of the men being beat, the men and women yeah, being beat on the that. trains. Sing louder, yeah. Sing louder. Sing louder. So, they
0: couldn't hear the screams.
2: so, at what obligation do you have an opportunity to go stop that train, by whatever means? I don't know how you're going to stop a train, but...
1: Yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the resistor, uh, you know, the head resistor against Hitler and a conspirator against Hitler, a Christian theologian, pastor. Um, he, one of his famous lines is, "It is not enough if, if you see a drunk driver get behind the wheel of a car. It is not enough to tend to the victims that he hits along the way, but it is your responsibility to arrest the wheel from the hands of the drunkard by whatever means necessary." So how would that? So apply? that's why, how in his mind that he justified as a Christian. Being a conspirator against Hitler and trying to uh, trying to kill him.
2: So how does that apply in the abortion case? Like, is there things that we can do that are illegal but are underground underground railroad, kind of things? You know what I mean? Like, well, that was the, Dietrich Bonhoeffer only became, and it's clear in his
1: in his writings uh, that he only chose to join the conspiracy against Hitler because. He saw literally no other way. He had exhausted all other uh, avenues and and opportunities to stop Hitler and the uh, discrimination against the Jews and to stop the Nazi regime. That was his literal last resort. So in America, thank God that we have so many avenues that we can go down that we don't have to even consider that right now. Like, I don't even think in our generation – like in my generation, will I have to consider, I ponder that decision. I, I hope it never comes to that, because you know, who, he who live when Jesus said, "He who lives by the sword will die by the sword." That wasn't saying don't live by the sword. That was just a proverb saying that if you live by the sword, you're probably going to die by the sword, because that's how the world works. Um, so I hope it never comes to that. Um, but men of God must be prepared to take action. When it is required, but we have so many avenues that we can go down now, where it is, you know, getting people to adopt. Where it is rallying the base through activism events, which what we're trying to do through Turning Point Faith, and we want to part turning. We want to have our Turning Point Faith partner with you, Jordan, specifically to represent that adoption agency to Turning Point Faith, and to have events. You know, we're having a fundraiser where we want to, uh, uh where we where we want to get the message out um, and help churches. Understand their role, like maybe they, maybe there are people in the church who want to adopt. Maybe there are adoption agencies that connect, that can connect them, uh, that can be connect, that they can be connected with. But yeah. and at the end of the day, it is your responsibility to actually to stand up this and to point. exhaust all other opportunities. And I want to
2: talk about that too, because you brought up how you talked about the churches, and that's one of the things too. We need to put the focus on the churches before we try to go fix the world at the yeah. same time too. We need pastors preaching in the churches about the sin of abortion like the biggest culture issue in our time we need to talk about it we have to say what the bible says we have to be in the church we have to be the ones that are enlightened to know the truth because of god because god has chosen to save us and we have to be out there doing something like we have to we can't just say advocating for these laws that's a part of it we have to actually be going out there and be willing to give up that extra room in our home, to house a baby. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: I was, I was smiling because I started thinking of the Massachusetts government asking us to give up a home for <laughs> migrant families. I um, actually yeah, but uh, sorry, you say no, what You, you, no, saying you go, you go. Um, it's funny that you say that because like it's not just about supporting these bills. And I agree. I was actually writing a thing about that earlier in my journal before you guys got to my house about how um most christians nowadays are internalized pro life christians right where it's like their pastor preaches once a year on abortion right uh they vote republican when they're pro choice when the time comes excuse me um and they in their household they believe that that abortion is wrong and that's about it and um it's like you can you can sit there anybody behind the screen you can sit there and say well um this kind of the kind of ministry of going out and talking to these women at abortion clinics that's not fair that's kind of mean it's overly aggressive um banning outright outright banning abortion i don't think that's right i think it creates dangers for these women well 60 million babies is the fruit of doing exactly what internalized christians are doing right internalized pro-life christians are doing they're voting once every four years for somebody who they think is pro-life um They are listening to their pastor's sermon once every year, once every half a year, right? And that's about it. And they raise their family to be pro-life, and that's about it. That's about as far as it goes. 60 million babies is the fruit of that. Um, So by all means, continue in apathy and passiveness if that's what you wish to do, but that won't be me. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen.
1: But to give up, to to wrap this up, we've been going on for a while here, but... uh, an optimistic look. I believe that the reversal of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision was, and and also just, just a complete miracle. Mm. It was it was as if God was saying, "I am having mercy on you for a time, as a nation. What will you do with well, it? Well, I mean, absolutely. I am giving you the opportunity.
0: I mean, look, Sam. Fifty three years of Roe v. Wade. We're having massive rallies every single year. We're having Christians showing up, preaching the message at people who." think it's okay to kill babies in 53 years of what is it 53 years roe versus wade that that is not what you have seen it has not been this like it's not that is not the history of of the christian like 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 the church in the past 50 years with roe versus wade and abortion being legal in america you have not seen this wave of young people especially coming out saying hey this is wrong and i think it's growing and and I think the tides are starting
1: to turn right now. We are the pro-life generation. Yeah, we yeah. are. We are the abolitionist generation. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Amen. 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 Guys, do you want to keep this going or talk? Just send it. I think is that a place to cut? I mean, we have. You're looking pretty tired. T- I can keep going. I'm. I could keep going. Um, it's very late. We've it's, been right. it's, it's, only, so, it's only midnight. We've been running for an hour and 52 minutes. All right, Hunter's going to bed. Sam and I are staying on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Round two, son. Here we I go. Know. So we've been an hour and 52 minutes. Should we just wrap it up with the gospel like we should We should always do? Go for it. And summarize it. So we're talking about all these things with um, abortion. We're talking about red pill. We're talking about masculinity. And at the end of the day, if if we don't have this view that the reason we're even able to talk about these things, the reason why we even know that these things are wrong is because God has chosen to be merciful to us and somehow show us the truth and that our minds have been undarked, the, the veil has been lifted, and that we can see, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And that's the, the thing that Jesus did for us. And that's the reason why we're, we're even able to sit here and say the things that we're saying. Because Jesus has saved us and enlightened us and has given us the truth and has died for our sins that we may be forgiven. So um, as we go, as we think about this, that's what our focus has to be is we're doing this because of Jesus. We're not doing this to glorify ourselves and our ability to make political decisions and our ability to make all the best arguments and our ability to rally all the people It's we're doing this because we believe the creator of the universe is the one who told us to go and take care of the widow and the orphan. Mm. And that's why we do what we do. We do what we do because Jesus said, go forth and make disciples of of me, of the one who saved you, and that your life does not belong to you anymore. It belongs to me, and we are now slaves to Christ and slaves to righteousness instead of slaves to sin. So we're, we're here. We're trying to preach the message that you can be free through Jesus no matter what sin, no matter what sin of the culture whether you've been a part of abortion whether you supported abortion whether you've been you fo- had an abortion. Yeah, what no matter what you've done, there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And that is why we are even able to sit here and say any of these things because the God of the mm-hmm. universe has chosen to save us. So
1: Amen. This is the hands and feet of the gospel. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am Sam Mealy. I'm
0: Hunter Young. And I'm Jordan Carpenter. And And we we are are the
1: Sons of Liberty. Liberty.